What's going on, everyone? This is Brian Turner here. Uh, we are in another episode of season five of the No Stress Midwest podcast. Uh, season five is our coaches edition. So I've been fortunate enough to get coaches from like all around the country, all different levels, MLS down to club, high school, everything in between. Um, today, we've got Debbie Peckle, who's going to be our guest today. Debbie, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I am doing good. Um, I'm really excited that, that you agreed to be on the, the podcast. Just like a little forewarning, listeners, I definitely like cold called, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. Debbie, we were following each other on Instagram. Uh, she's in the coaching world. And I was like, hey, you should really think about being on my podcast. I'd really appreciate <laughs> it. Um, she said yes, luckily. And, and now here we are. So, Debbie, thank you for that. Where are you, uh, where are you calling in from? I am currently in Greenville, South Carolina. Greenville. Okay. What's, uh, what's, what's there? Why, why are you in Greenville? Uh, so I actually moved a little over a month ago, actually, uh, to coach at Bob Jones University, which is a D3 university here in Greenville. Uh, okay. But before that, I was in Michigan, um, and this was kind of a whirlwind kind of transition and relocation. But yeah, outside of that, there's uh, some really pretty mountains and, and hiking trails, and downtown Greenville is actually a really, really cool downtown, so we have All that right. happen for us as well. It's uh, quite a, I'm sure, a culture shock, quite a temperature, uh, all of that shock from Michigan to, to South Carolina. Um, talk to me, the Southern hospitality, is that a real thing? It is. Okay. Um, people are almost to too nice. I thought like from being a, being, being a um, Michigander slash Midwest, I thought I was, you know, understood niceness and hospitality, but they take it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Uh, I almost feel tea? like I'm rude sometimes. The sweet tea. Are you in? Are you on? Are you on board? Oh, it's good. Yes. Okay. And the barbecue is great, but I know like Kansas city has great barbecue too. So um, I'm glad. Listen, that was perfect. Cause I was getting ready to, I was like, Oh man, should I say something? No, but that that's cool. I was in, I spent some time in North Carolina for a few years uh, in college. So I'm really familiar with the, the Southern hospitality, the sweet tea that gives you diabetes <laughs> every sip, um, but it's worth it. Oh, yeah. So, all right. We're not here to talk about, unfortunately, sweet tea, even though I could talk about it for a while. Um, let's kind of jump into things. Okay. So you mentioned you just moved to South Carolina not too long ago. Uh, from Michigan, where you were doing some coaching, I'm assuming. Um, before we get even to the coaching aspect, talk to us on why you became a coach. What was your playing background like? Um, did playing kind of lead you into coaching, or, or how did that come about? Yeah, I think for, for most people, <clears throat> they, ha they played the game at some level. Um, so I played growing up all the way from recreational to little travel leagues in my area, and then um, played in high school and decided to go to a smaller Christian school in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I was able to play both soccer and basketball there. So I wanted to ultimately be like a small fish in a big pond. Um, and so I played in a newer program there and um, played all four years and got introduced actually into coaching, finishing up my sophomore season Okay. And um, met a coach in a like indoor church league and asked if I wanted to help him on his varsity girls uh, high school team. I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And um, 
was able to go undergo that season with him and absolutely loved it. And then from there on was just trying to figure out the coaching world and the, the pathway of what I needed to do, licensing, all of that to kind of make it more of a viable career. And they got into it after I finished playing, um, my senior year and then got on to kind of coaching college after that. But, um, yeah, played four years of, of soccer and did all right in a small program. Um, so we did soccer, soccer and basketball. So, I mean, playing one, being a collegiate athlete in itself is hard. Um, you're doing two sports. So on top of school, right. And trying to have a social life and sleep. Um, so I know one of those things, maybe two of them was, was struggling probably, but you made it through, Um, You touched on a good point of like you started coaching and you were just kind of like overwhelmed with, all right, where, where do I go from here? How do I make this real? Like, is it licenses? Is it a program? Is it club? Is it high school? Is it college? You know, there's so many questions and I feel like there's not really an answer as far as like, Hey, if you want to coach college, this is what you have to do. If you want to coach high school, this is what you have to do. Professional, this is what you have to do. Um, I feel like we all have our own like experiences and like you're coaching college now. Um, college is not something I've coached yet. Right. And I know people that have started coaching college, like right when they finished college. Um, so I feel like, you know, we all have these different experiences that take us to that level. Um, but before we move on, what's one thing you learned about trying to make coaching a viable (laughs) career? Is it? Yeah, it it is. Um, okay, but I, that's good. But I think, um, I mean, if I could look back over the last six years, there's things where I'm like, ah, I, you know, I could have maybe bypassed that, you know, program or that experience for this, and maybe it would have gotten me to this point maybe sooner. But we don't yeah. know that at the end of the day. A lot of it is just learning, um, learning from the coaches around you, learning the programs and the different levels that you're at. And I can take a lot of good and, and maybe not so good things from that and tailor it into uh, my continuation as a coach, but yeah, I, um, I you've just done a lot. You've done a lot, right? And, yeah, and you've done I've, club, you've done high yes. school, mm-hmm. you're doing college. And I did um, uh semi-pro the last two summers, arena soccer this last winter. So it's, it's been fun. You've but done a, a lot. lot. And, and the semi-pro was that USL, UWS, what was UWS? The, UWS. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you've, Wow. I mean, and I think I remember you telling me that our last call, but so you've really hit on a lot of levels and, and I know one of the guests we had on Lisa, um, she's with the women's youth national team now, but she was a collegiate coach. And she mentioned like one bit of advice that she wished she would have had when she was younger. And I think it kind of touches along with you, which with what you said is like knowing when to say no to opportunities and like as a young coach, and I've been there, you say yes to everything because it's like, oh, I want the experience. I want the experience. I don't want to let you down. This could set me up. This could. Mm-hmm. And then you look back and like you said, you're like, man, that was just like one year of me just running around in a circle. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so, okay. So you mentioned that, that you're at a Christian or you played at a Christian school and you're currently coaching at one now, right? So. Is that something, is that one of the values that like you really want to kind of stay in that realm? Is it just, it's just so happened that that's how it's gone or kind of how did, how is that path going? 
Yeah, so I originally uh, began coaching at the college I played for um, as assistant coach and, and enjoyed that experience of being in a kind of like-minded um, culture and environment mm-hmm. where we were able to kind of use faith uh, integrated into the principles of the game and, yeah. and all of that. And then um, I left and went on to be a grad assistant at really not a Christian institution and then went on and did club, and that's a whole different uh, realm. Um, and so was out of kind of that Christian environment, so to speak, for a little bit. And um, I gained a lot of uh, a lot of um, knowledge and experience through that. But I think for me, when I moved back to Michigan a little over a year and a half ago, um, I was missing kind of that um, kind of familiar familiarity and a sense of a more nurturing environment that could feed me at that spiritual level, but also allow me to share kind of a big component of who I am. Um, with my players, uh, if it made sense. So, um, yeah, I was hoping to kind of integrate myself back into a similar culture or environment. And I was doing that at the high school level. I was coaching at a, and working at a Christian high school back in Michigan. And then uh, this opportunity presented itself, and I knew of the institution and the program from years past and um, didn't think it was going to happen, but it was really the only program that my eyes were fixed on. Uh, Outside of that, I was content with doing what I was doing in Michigan and staying there for a while, and um, somehow it worked out, and it's been a really great change in culture here with the coaching staff and the players, and it's it's something that I really, really enjoy being around um, coaches and players that have a similar faith perspective. Um, That's That's awesome. No Stress Midwest has partnered with TechBall to become the Midwest host site for TechBall official league play and tournaments on Thursdays from 8 to 10 p.m. and Sundays from 3 to 5 p.m. No Stress Midwest will be hosting TechBall pickup play at the soccer lot. Swing by and see what all the fun's about. To stay up to date on all information regarding TechBall through No Stress Midwest, visit our website at www.nostressmidwest.com slash techball. You'll be able to see all of the upcoming events we have, such as league play, tournaments, and any changes to pick up. And, and I mean, and, and I feel like we all as coaches have to find the right environment, right? I, I, and sure, sometimes you just need to coach, right? Like you just, sometimes it's not going to be the right environment. We're all looking for the right environment, but I feel like there are some things that maybe will mean more to us than to the other, to another coach. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's really dope of you that, that you understand that it's such a young age and early on in your coaching career um, to make that change and move halfway across the country for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty dope. Um, so, and I kind of talked on it earlier, you've been at all levels familiar with coaching on the club, the high school, the college, the semi-pro, you've worked with players from, you know, ones that probably shin guards go above their knees to mm-hmm. ones who shin guards are like the size of like, you know, my fingers here. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the things that you would say are the same and some of the things that are different per team, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, of course, what's the same? Everyone wants to score. Everyone wants to win games. You know, that stuff's fun. But what are some things maybe even if it's not what you see, but as a coach, how do you coach, you know, high school, club, college player? How do you kind of differentiate between all of those? 
Yeah, that was a balance I had to kind of be in and navigate through because at first I thought it would be um, kind of easy to take on the same coaching style or structures and and basically reuse it and use it in the same training sessions, especially if one was after the other, which was most of my evenings, almost two or three different training sessions with vast different ages. Um, And I think the similarities outside of the principles of the game, right. And the, you know, how soccer works and things of that nature. But I think at the end of the day, um, you just had a a coach on your last um, episode, Jordan, and he mentioned it Um, at the end of the day, they're all human, right. They're players, but they have a human perspective. They all need to be treated um, with value and respect and, and really be able to, um, to get at the heart of who they are as both a player and person. And, and I think across all levels, it's just as a coach, how can I understand where they're at developmentally? And then how can I best communicate and structure an environment where I can get the most out of them yep. um, as a person first and then as a player from that relationship building and environment uh, that's nurturing to uh, not only the skill sets that's needed in a training environment, but also uh, where they're at in life. And um, you could take a U8, right? It's a very different training session than, uh, you know, a semi-professional team. We're not going to be doing what we're doing with, um, you know, college-age players. Right. The U8, very different. They're always going to be on the ball. They're always going to be um, manipulating the ball. And maybe some 1v1s, 2v1s, but that's probably the extent of it, a 4v4 format. Um, whereas, you know, you're not going to be doing that with college-age players every training session to get ready for a match. It's very different. Right. But similarities is kind of how coaches can guide and mentor them um, in communication and kind of creating that relationship to get a little bit more out of them. Um, Yeah. And then like high school age is very different. You have them for two, three months um, and that's it. And then a recycled new players come in. So, you know, have the luxury of having all these really great detailed training sessions that are going to bring you to a certain um, objective over time. It's like I have two, three practices with them and we're playing three, three games for three months and that's it. Yeah. So uh, you approach that very differently than a college setting where you have uh, kind of a similar format, but then you also have spring season and you can re- retain players um, a little bit more too. So, uh, and then semi-pro is very different because you're bringing in all these different players from different backgrounds and coaching styles um, and how can you get them all to be functional together and, and maintain a sense of competitiveness, but also it's in the peak of summer. So how can you kind of balance their lifestyle as well? Right. So, yeah, it's just very different. And, and I'm still kind of learning as I was going through it last year of really how to to uh, perfect or be more successful in those those certain formats. For sure. Well, and, and you know, the semi-pro and I was in the USL too this summer and you know, one thing that I saw was the, that team isn't their priority, right? These players, their priority team is their college team. And they're just doing this to stay fit, get some touches in, right? Play some games. So it's like, how do you get them to want to be there by, while still giving them uh, a summer of a college at, you know, of a college kid. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, yeah, it's definitely a fine line. And, uh, you know, Coach um, Jose Mourinho said said this that uh, this quote that I really really like, and I think it goes along with what you're saying is, um, he says I treat every player the same, but I treat every person different, and I think that was really deep when I first heard that because I'm like he's like every player wants playing time, every player wants to be on the field, 
They want to play their best. They want to contribute to a win, contribute to success, all of that, you know, but then after that, we're people. And like you said, what are you going through? You could have had a death at home. You could be, you know, your, your, whatever it is, is going on. And that can affect you as a person, but like, you still have to understand, differentiate between, Hey, I know that like you're our best goal scorer, but I also see that you're going through some stuff off the field and let's try to address that so we can make sure when you're on the field, you're giving us everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So, so Debbie, I, I do some part-time work at United soccer coaches. So um, pretty familiar with some of the programs and things that are going on. They have this program for our listeners called the 30 under 30. And that is, as you could probably guess, you know, the top 30 coaches under the age of 30, and they do one every year. Um, Debbie was selected. So we're just going to go on 22, 23. So you were 21, 22 this Mm -hmm. past year. Um, You were selected. How did that come about? Um, Kind of talk to us about like, did you apply? Did you know about it? Did a coach tell you about it? Once you were in and you were selected, what was that experience like, you know, with courses, mentors, just kind of tell everyone about what it's like to be selected as one of the top 30 coaches under the age of 30. Yeah, it's, it was a small kind of process. I actually didn't know about it until 2019 when I was finishing up my second year as a grad assistant. And um, I knew of USSF for at least like I think at that point I had my e-license when they first had that and then switched over to grassroots. And then uh, vaguely kind of knew about United Soccer Coaches, but not much. Uh, A coach at the time mentioned about uh, the 30 under 30 program and I should apply for it. And I'm like, well, this seems like a waste. I barely have any experience or any licensing that's going to make me stand out. But I applied in 2019, didn't hear anything back. But then um, with the convention, they actually have scholarships that are awarded to a certain amount of coaches as well. So I applied for that as a follow-up and actually was awarded as a recipient of um, a convention scholarship. So I was able and to that go was to Baltimore, right? Baltimore 2020. Yep. So I was able to go. That was my first convention experience. Basically everything was paid for Very, a little different approach to the 30 under 30, but still was able to get lunch, uh, luncheons and be able to kind of network with some college coaches and, and people um, within United soccer coaches. So it was a great experience. And then in 2020, applied for uh, 30 under 30, didn't get it. I think at that point it was supposed to be in Anaheim and I was living then um, in Newport Beach, California. So it was only Ooh, not too nice. far. So I was like, I'm not going to apply for the convention scholarship. I right. just got it last year. I'll just commute. And then obviously they had to cancel that because of the pandemic. But um, hindsight then in 2021, uh, applied for it a third time, third time in a row and was able to get it somehow. Um, I think at that point I was able to add a little bit more experience every year from going from just college to then club full-time in California. Then in 2021, I was able to add like the UWS experience um, and kind of just layer and go back to high school. So kind of layer my um, resume a little bit more. So um, then once we got um, accepted into the program, we were able to be matched up with a mentor. So we each get a mentor, um, either current college coach, they could be at a club level. They could really be at all different facets of the game, depending on what, was a priority to you specifically. 
Right. Um, and then you just kind of create a relationship in and a mentor mentee relationship with them uh, monthly, uh, sometimes even more than that. And then you're able to do some publication publications with some of your training sessions in them. Uh, and then the bigger points is the opportunity uh, convention to network with a lot of great uh, coaches that have been in the game for a long time yeah. outside of a free education course. Uh, so I'll be doing my advanced national um, right now. So because of that, so yeah, it was uh, it was a great year of just kind of networking and being with other young coaches and being able to kind of hear their experiences and where they're at. And uh, ironically, two of the, two of my uh, 30 under 30 members were able to make a jump, a pretty high jump uh, during that year. And I'm sure 30 under 30 had some, some role within them being able to jump up from one college level to another, like U of M and, and Grand Valley state, two of them were able to make kind of get those really great program coaching positions. So right. uh, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. No stress Midwest has partnered with mobile app DNA soccer lab to bring not only our expertise and training for field players to video, but also offering keeper training, sports performance work, strength and conditioning, player development, and mental performance videos to all of our athletes wanting to take their training to the next level. We even have personal development plans that we can create for those trainees. Visit more on our website at nostressmidwest.com backslash DNA Soccer Lab to read more. That's awesome. And, and so Baltimore was your first convention. Um, Baltimore was my second convention. So I was in Chicago the year before. Um, I think kind of like you, I, I got there and I didn't know anything about United Soccer Coaches. Uh, it was in Chicago. I'm in KC. So I legit like got on the train and just, you know, went up there. Luckily, my school paid for, paid for some of the stuff. And that first like convention, I just like walked into like the convention center and I just was so shocked. I was like, look at all these freaking coaches, like <laughs> look at all this soccer stuff. The exhibit hall was like, I mean, it, it, it was, it was awesome. Um, mm -hmm. But I was kind of like flustered. I didn't, I just, I didn't know where to start, you know, like just like the pathway of coaching, like <laughs> I was like, there's all these things here that I want to do and I want to do everything, but I can't. Um, so I, when we went back to Baltimore, I had a year kind of under my belt and, and Baltimore was, I think a lot more, uh, strategic and specific in the events that I was trying to go to and the ceremonies and, and all of that. Um, so now like every year and, you know, Anaheim one didn't work. Um, and now every year it's like, okay, how can I make the most out of these five, six days, knowing that like so-and-so is going to be here and I probably won't see them for another year. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a huge networking thing. If you're into networking, if right. you're not, then like, I, I mean, I don't know why you go to a convention. Yeah. But, well, that was me. I was like, Oh, well, it feels like it's just college coaches. And I was in that space where I was like, wasn't really entertaining that thought. Cause I was already doing club. I was already doing high school. I was already doing UWS and then arena. And I was like, I, I just doesn't seem like it'd be an opportunity um, but you know, I kind of wish if I would have gone back to really actually still have those networking connections, even at that time, I didn't think I was going to go to the college space because right. things are funny and work out very differently. Um, and you never know when that network or that person, that coach can come into handy. So it's, yeah. it is one thing that I wish I would have been more intentional on 
uh, even as an introvert, <laughs> being able right. to network and just kind of build that community. Well, and, and you know, the good thing is, is that Philly's coming up in a few months and boom, networking mm -hmm. starts there. And then I think Anaheim's the year after. Um, so let's get warm, hopefully. Right. <laughs> um, all right. So you were talking about um, you're getting ready to start or you are like you just started your advanced national, um, the United Soccer Coaches. You're, you're kind of like me and with U.S. soccer where you've been doing the licenses for uh, you can remember when there was an E license and like an F license, right? And mm -hmm. now they've kind of made it all grassroots, part one, part two. I, I don't quite know how they do it. Um, but you just or maybe recently got your C license through there. Um, how was that experience? And do you plan on pursuing higher uh, licenses or was the C kind of a good, a good ending point for right now? Yeah, I I went through the C license when I was still in California in 2020. So I began that in the fall of 2020, and um, then you know things changed. So within the the whole realm of the pandemic and trying to navigate that those times, the C license was extended, and we had kind of a dead space for a few months of just really not much, no meetings, anything like that. And it was a hybrid format. It was one of the first times they did a mm -hmm. hybrid format, which I personally liked. Um, and so I was able after nine months, be able to actually go in person uh, and finish out the course. So I learned a lot, not only from like the, how to construct a training session and the activation phase and all those things, but again, the networking piece was great. Yep. Um, and just even the instructors being able to, to be taught and led and, and guided from some of the best coaches in that area. So um, for a while, I thought I was just going to kind of, stop at the C and then with a 30 under 30, I was like, well, I'll just do the advanced national and maybe stop there. But really I'm, I've been really enjoying um, just learning and all the different education um, formats that is different between USF and United soccer coaches. So I think for me, it's to finish out the advanced national within this year and the next few months go to the premier um, and then Possibly pursue the B. I'm at a I'm at an institution right now that will help me um, pay for those, and they really believe in um, the education and the licensing for their coaches. So I'm grateful for that. So I want to make sure that I'm using those resources well. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, shoot, the B license is expensive. They they don't mm -hmm. get cheaper, and and I feel like it's it's kind of an oxymoron. And like coaches usually don't get paid a lot, right? So when we want to get better at what we want to do and then you're charging, you know, a thousand dollars for us to want to do that when we're making, you know, a thousand for, yeah, the right. right. I was going to say for making a thousand dollars for a season. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely tough. So it's really good to you're at an institution that supports that. And, you know, I look at it as like, it's just like, if you wanted to get a graduate degree or if you wanted to get, your project management was a PMP something, you know, like if you want to get these extra things, right, it's going to cost money. And why is it that a company would pay for me to get my PMP, but then a club wouldn't pay for me to get my B license? Right. Um, yeah. So what's the ultimate, the ultimate goal then with coaching? Um, I want to hear, I, I like asking, you know, especially the younger coaches that I have on, like if I ask, like a 50 or 60 year old, you know, maybe that answer is going to be a little different, but you've, you've moved around. You clearly have no problem and, and no trouble picking up and going somewhere for the opportunity. So if somewhere in England calls, you know, are you, 
Are you going across the pond? Are you I... going to start drinking tea? You know, what's, <laughs> what's the goal, ultimate? Yeah, I could be a Ted Lasso uh, yeah, experience. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought about international, but I think if the opportunity presented itself, I mean, why not? It, yeah. I mean, it's just a whole different framework within football over there, and I think I would probably learn so much from that experience. I think for me, the last year and a half um, has been kind of settled at the collegiate level. Uh, things can change, though. Um, I'd like to be a head coach of my own program. And with a small experience with, um, like I said, my professional team, it would be it would be fun to be able to move towards a more professional route too, whether that's USLW, whether that's uh, NWSL, even if that were to work at some point. I mean, thinking big um, yeah. at the national level, uh, even with their their youth teams, um, you know, that would that'd be great to be able to really work towards um, at the the big stage of being yeah. able to coach at that realm. But for now, I'm I'm really pleased with where I'm at and um, hoping that I can continue just to grow as a coach and. See those see those opportunities um, come to light and being able to have um, the vision to know whether to say yes or no to one, like we kind of talked about earlier. So yeah, yeah. So so ultimately, look at that, and I'm glad because for the listeners, Debbie and I spoke about this um, off you know off this podcast is when we had our first initial talk, and and it's good that I that, that was an answer. I got chills hearing that. Right, NWSL. U.S. Nat Women's National Team, right? Those are, that's awesome. That's a goal. And I feel like no matter how lofty it is, like, it doesn't matter. Like, if you believe in it, like, just you believe in it, and that's what matters. Um, you know, I've said I wanted to coach in Europe or a national team, and I get laughed at about it, but I'm like, yeah, but what happens if it does work? You know, right. like, how, cra- how crazy would that be? Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what makes life fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all right. So you've, we've talked about the different levels. You've been uh, a coach on the age groups, all of that. Can you talk to us about some of your favorite moments or favorite memories um, that you've had? Maybe it's not like one or two, right? But, or maybe it's, um, you know, every year when preseason starts, you know, preseason is always a fun time, something like that. What are some of like the top moments, the things that like you look back on, and you get that little smile on your face like, man, what a time. Teachers, we want you. Are you a licensed teacher in the Missouri or Kansas KC metro area looking to make a couple extra dollars tutoring over the weekday and weekends? Well, No Stress Midwest is the place for you. No Stress Midwest Education is looking for teachers to help in one-on-one tutoring, small group academic enrichment, and study hall. We are looking for teachers to work on average two to three nights a week, two hours a night in the subject of language arts, science, math, social studies, and foreign language. If you're interested, please visit nostressmidwest.com slash education and fill out an application today. Cheers. Right. Yeah, that's a tough. Well, it's a good question. I have a few and they're they're very different uh, spectrums for different reasons. So, I mean, you could look at the successes that you've had as a coach with a certain team. So, like, this past spring, I took over a D4 Christian high school varsity program, and we were able to win conference, and it was the last time that we were going to be in this conference. Um, 
forever, really. And so we were able to kind of win it from having a few years of not being able to do well and actually win conference. So that was nice to be able to take in a take in a program over and then have these girls really bought into the idea of that that was our goal and to be able to achieve that. So that's just one small success um, and moment where it's like we worked so hard to get to that point. It was really rewarding. Um, and then you can, then there's moments where I was coaching U8 um, this past fall or following fall a year ago. And I mean, just seeing each girl score a goal and just how excited they were. And oh they my God. Over the and be like, ever. Coach Debbie, did you see it? And it, like those moments too are just so, so great. Very different. It's not like it's a game winner for, you know, a championship game to win a national banner. It's, you know, it's a random Saturday just morning. A and, Saturday morning game. Right. And you know what? The score is who cares? Right. They don't even know the score. Half no. the time, so, but yeah. those moments too. And then, um, I think one was nice was <clears> when I moved from Michigan to Kentucky and I was a grad assistant, my former college that I played at and then coached at went to the uh, final, the national national championship game um, actually against Bob Jones, who I'm now coaching for um, was wow. able to go there and see a lot of the players that I played and then coached for two years go and actually finally win um, their first banner for the program ever. So it was, that was a nice moment too, to, although I wasn't necessarily a part of that team for that season, just like the builds up of, of these players progressing and developing. And that was their, their vision and goal. And they were able to get that. So that was another kind of cool moment as a former coach and player to, to experience that in person. But yeah, it's, I mean, the, the game is so beautiful and it brings out so real, so many great, beautiful moments um, yeah. from the at level all the way up to, you know, working with adults. It's yeah. Well, those are some of the fondest. And you see like, you know, and you, you, you kind of touched on it and, and I saw it today or this summer, which was like, I mean, really cool. So like, of course I was kind of talking about like everyone likes to score, right? You see like when that U8 girl scores a goal and she like, well, you know, she's so excited. And then like you add, well, say, Hey, what's the score? Right. You know, doesn't know, but like you see that excitement that, that you get right. And no matter what, I don't care how old you are seeing like people still get excited over scoring goals is something that will never get like old to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not like the, so much the goal celebrations as much as it is that initial, like, what do you do when you know, you just score? Like what's the, the, ah, you know, the yell or do you run? You know, I've noticed a lot, um, especially on the women's side, and it's the the men and women side, right? Women, when they score, they gravitate together and they hug each other. We did it. Men run away from each other and they're like, get, a, get away from me. I'm right. going to be on my own. And why we do that, why, you know, it's like that, I don't know. But just seeing like that initial emotion, boom, of jolt of like, I did it. Um, I think that that just never gets old. Um, never gets old. So... We're getting ready to to wrap down, wind up, however you want to look at wrap up, wind down. That's what that's how it goes. <laughs> um, but I want to ask one final question, and although it's still you're still fairly early in the coaching realm, um, under ten years, correct? Yeah, seven. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe this isn't the best answer, or maybe you might not be able to give the best answer, or the answer today might be different in five years, but. From your first year coaching, your first time, you know, standing on the sideline to right now, after we just spoke about you finishing up a varsity reserve training session today, right? 
what are some things or how have you grown and at least in one way and what's one thing you would tell that that uh sophomore in college that was helping out on varsity uh what's some one thing you would tell her oh man yeah that was <laughs> that's a loaded one i there's there's so many uh ways you could take this um I would probably tell her that the biggest thing to focus on is self is self-confidence okay. in a sense of being able to put yourself in situations and ask questions and and uh, in a sense of just one knowing that you're capable of doing it and the self-doubt is really what's um, eliminating you from not only opportunities but also to develop as a coach um, and not to get the best out of the players or the, the environment that you, you're privileged to to coach and mentor in. So for me, a lot of it is self-doubt. Even, you know, you asked me to be on this podcast. I was like, I think you can find other better people, right? Yeah. Like it's just yeah. the initial self-doubt. Yeah. Uh, so for me to be confident in that this is something I want to pursue and I'm going to have to pursue it in a way where it's kind of end-all, be-all. And I'm going to absorb and ask and listen to all these coaches in all these different environments and uh, put myself in those uncomfortable positions. Um, I think if I would have done that earlier on, um, I would have gained a little bit more um, knowledge and who knows kind of where I'd be at this point, maybe still here. But um, I think for me, it's just overcoming that battle of of self-doubt and and saying that maybe I can't coach at this level because of X, Y, Z, or because my playing career was not division one. It was at this level. Um, So I think just as a young coach, if you really want to pursue it, pursue it and don't let your own worst enemy yourself get in the way um, and know that you can make an impact, whatever level you're coaching. at. And that's like the beauty of being a coach is the impact that you can make and um, just really buying into, to that privilege. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, well, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't think I want to add anything after that because that, that's a really, that's a really great place to end it. Um, I, I see that all the time, right? Confidence is so huge and, and self-doubt can legit take you out of, you know, your own thing. Um, so I, yeah, I think that's very important. Um, well, Debbie, is there anything that you would like to say before we wrap up? I just want to thank you for one, having me on, but also just the work that you're doing um, within your community and, and for all the players. It, it has this holistic approach to them as people and then players. And, and I think it's awesome when you can find people that have the heart to, to put in the work to create um, those environments and opportunities and resources for them to grow as, as young young people and, and players. And I think we need more of that, especially when you think about in like urban areas and, and uh, different kind of demographics. So I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing and what you're building uh, to do within your community. I think we need more coaches willing to do that and um, kind of change the youth level within the United States. For sure. Well, and that's why we connected, right? Because we both have have similar goals and, and aspirations and how we want to change the game and how we see it. Um, and it's, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, it's us that has to do it, right? We're past a point where we can keep talking. It's either you're going to do it or shut up and let someone else do it. Right. So, yeah. Well, all right. Well, Debbie, thank you. Um, you're thanking me. I want to thank you for being a guest because without you, 
this podcast doesn't happen. Um, for all of our listeners, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, this is season five. Debbie Peckle, who is um, Bob Jones University uh, assistant coach. Uh, we want to thank you, and we will catch you on the next episode of the No Stress Midwest podcast. Everyone have a good one. Cheers. Cheers.